Welcome to Light for the Journey, a podcast of Russell Memorial United Methodist Church. Each week, we open the scriptures in faith that the timeless truth of God will guide us as we seek to follow in the steps of Jesus. This week's message comes from the second week of Lent. Last week, Pastor David Cartwright started a series exploring how Christians are called to be in the world, but not part of the world. While that idea is repeated often in the Christian church today, it's a bit of an oxymoron. How can we exist somewhere and not become part of it? Pastor Cartwright delves into that very conundrum this week, comparing Christians to ambassadors who work in foreign lands for the good of their country. We are, in this view, ambassadors from God, here on a mission for His kingdom. As we go to our message today, let's open our hearts and minds to the truth that God would speak to us. I invite you to turn your scripture to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll be reading there toward the end of that chapter, beginning at verse 17. Uh, 2 Corinthians, not 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Paul's letter to the church, um, in chapter 5, beginning at verse 17. Hear now God's word. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious Father, in these moments, be present among us and move among us by your Holy Spirit so that our hearts and our minds are fully attuned to you. Lead me, Lord, to speak words of your truth, to speak them with love and grace, to speak in simplicity so that you would accomplish in our midst your good and perfect will. For every good thing that we receive and experience now, we give only you the praise and the glory. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. In so many ways through my experience of life, I have found that attendance seems to always be an important factor in things. When I was in school, I remember my teachers doing this every day. You know what they did? They take roll to see who's here. I grew up and I got a job. And you know what my employer expected of me? To show up. That's right. It, it was, uh, it, it was just kind of built into the expectation. It, it just seems that regardless of how we're involved, Attendance, showing up, seems to be such an important factor. 
And I think that is the true, that, that's true also in being part of the body of Christ. And now we've talked about that as far as worship goes, but that was a different sermon. Uh, we're, we're continuing today to think about that, that familiar phrase that we use as Christians that, that we are in but not of the world. And so we're kind of unpacking what that means. And today we're going to move into that a little bit more in, in a gentle way. You know, we're kind of easing into this before we get into really tough stuff. Uh, to think if, about the first part of that phrase, what it means to be in the world, right? Because we are in the world. But for the Christian to be in the world is more than just being there like everybody else is there. It, it's more than getting up and getting out of the house every day and and making yourself busy doing the things that everybody else is doing. You know, we can do that easily. But to be in the world for the Christian has a deeper purpose. And Paul talks about that here as he thinks about his own ministry and writes about his ministry toward the Corinthian church. As we read these verses and, and you know, getting into this chapter of 2 Corinthians, uh, it seems like there's always, it, there's never a really a perfect place to start reading in the midst of it because the conversation just continues to unfold at every verse. But he started in verse 17 and talked about how with, with a Christian that everything is new. When we are in Christ, we are a new creation. Like God has taken that which is old, he has put it away, and he has created something new. And that ties back to that verse from Ephesians chapter 2. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the good works that God has prepared for us. And Paul sees it that, like this, and he talks about his ministry, and he talks about it in verse 18. And first of all, he mentions that personal transformation. He says that, that all, this, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Now that's that personal change. That's the gospel that we proclaim that that changes a person from, from the old self to the new self, that in Christ God has made me new and given me new promise and new hope and new life through the person of Jesus Christ. That's my transformation or, or your transformation when, when that's happened to you. But then Paul takes it from the personal level to a, to, to a purposeful level as a minister of that. He says, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So what God has done for the Apostle Paul and those who are working with him is to say, I, I am granting to you the purpose of going out into the world on my behalf. You are going into the world as a minister of my reconciling purpose to the world. So Paul now sees himself as someone, not only has he been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, he has been given, it has been put in his hands to take this message of reconciliation out to the world. Okay, so that now that is his purpose. He goes on in verse 19 and says, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed us to, to us the word or the ministry of reconciliation. And then in verse 20 he says, therefore we are what? ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ. Think with me for a moment 
about what an ambassador is. If Let's say perhaps, and I'm just kind of choosing this as a random way of looking at it, let's say that you have been uh, assigned as a, an ambassador of the United States to France. I don't know why France, but why not? You know, just random, okay? So you go, and you're going to go where? Right, you're not an ambassador over here, you go over there, okay? So you go over there, Paris, I would assume, I don't know, maybe it's different place, but you show up in France and you kind of take up residence there, okay? You're going to uh, learn, you probably already know a great deal about the French culture, their history, their language, but if, if not, you're going to learn those things because you need to relate to those people. But you don't go over there and, and you don't land in Paris and say, all right, man, I've always wanted to visit France. You know, great vacation coming up. You know, I, let me go get the triptych so that I can figure out all the tourist places I want to go see. That, that's not your frame of mind. If it is, then, then you have a problem. Because you haven't been sent there on vacation. You have been sent there as an emissary. You have been sent there as a representative of those who sent you. And the whole time you're there, your purpose is not to, uh, to become more French or to serve French purposes. Your purpose is to serve whom? The United States. If you've been sent by the United States, your, your, your job is to represent the, the interests of the United States, the people who sent you, okay? So an ambassador is a resident representative of those who sent you. Now think about that from Paul's point of view. Paul is essentially saying, I am a, I am a resident representative in the world. In this case, in Corinth. But the same could be uh, said to Ephesus or Galatia or Colossae or Thessaloniki, that's how they pronounce it now. All of those places he went, he would be able to say, I am a resident representative of a different kingdom. Philippians 3, verse 20, Paul uses this phrase. He says, for our citizenship is in heaven, which is a powerful statement for someone who had Roman citizenship. That's just a little side note. But he says, our citizenship is in heaven. So he says, I am, I'm a citizen of heaven, but I am a resident representative here in the world, whether it's Corinth or wherever he was. And if he is a resident representative, it means that his life now has a purpose. And the purpose is what? To be a minister of God's reconciling work to the world. And I believe that is true not only for the Apostle Paul, not only for those who have some kind of special calling to, to leave their homeland and go to some other place. I believe it's true for every disciple of Jesus Christ. That he says, I am making you new, and I am now making you an ambassador to the world. 
Which means that when you and I go into the world, we go with a purpose. And that purpose is to represent the ministry of reconciliation, the, the interests of the kingdom and the king who has bought us and sends us. You, you look at this from through, through the through the lens of what's recorded in, in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. I, I, I get curious. I do little things sometimes. And as I was thinking about this, I, I thought about the book of Acts, and I thought, I wonder how many times in the book of Acts you find the word went, W-E-N-T, went. And when you have electronic Bibles, you can do that kind of search very easily. And so I entered that search and I found out that in what the particular translation I was using, the word went showed up 52 times, much more than any other book of the New Testament, even the Gospels. And I just started perusing through every occurrence of that word, went. Now, I'm not going to tell you that in every instance it was uh, something that demonstrated the point I'm trying to make. That, that's not the case. But it is true that very consistently what you find with, with, these apostle, with these apostles is that the text says, and they went, and they went, and they went, and they went. The apostle Peter, when, when Cornelius sent the people to, uh, to, to bring Peter to him, it says, Peter went. In fact, he got in trouble for going. When the Jews back in Jerusalem found that he had gone to a Gentile's house and sat down and ate with him, and he had to give witness to what God did in their midst. But he went to them. The Apostle Paul and, and those who traveled with him, where did they go? They went to all these different places. They went, they went, they went. And when they went, it says that they, they went to the synagogue or they went to a place where they uh, determined that there was a place of prayer. What's the strategy? They're going to those places where they can connect with people and start to make those connections as leverage for sharing the gospel, to make the light of Christ known in the world. They didn't show up in these places and say, hey, I've always wanted to visit Philippi. Let's take a little tour around town. The, the attitude was, where can I start to connect with people so that Christ becomes known to them through me? You see, that's the attitude of the ambassador. That's the attitude of the missionary, the disciple of Jesus Christ. For, for to be in the world doesn't mean to just be busy doing all the things that everybody around us is doing. It is being there so Christ can be known through us. And we have a calling to translate that into our lives, in, into our community, in, into our culture and our daily activities, we have to ask the question, what does that look like for us? How does that inform me in the way that I'm going to live every day, in, in the attitude and the mindset that I take with me when I go out into the world? And, and there are so many ways that, that you can play out that conversation. I was thinking about, and I remembered a conversation that I had with a member of my church way, you know, this is like the first church I served, and I was pretty young at that time, so there were a lot of things that hadn't really occurred to me. And we were in the midst of a Bible study one evening, and this, uh, this man said to me, 
He said, well, I just, I just don't think that politics is a place for Christians to be. And when he said that, it kind of took me aback. I thought, really? And so I invited him to, to say more about it. And, and I will have to say that I, I, I understand the point he was trying to make. And the point he was trying to make was that, that the realm of politics it has such a corrupt nature to it that, that good, well-intending people get into it and then they become corrupt with it. I thought, well, I get that. You know, I, I wouldn't debate that that perhaps often happens. But I still didn't agree ultimately with his point because, for me, I thought, you know, the, the other way to look at it is that we're just going to uh, relinquish the whole realm of politics to the secular-minded. Is that what we want? Uh, that, that doesn't seem to be what would be a beneficial thing for our society. We need people, in my opinion, who are kingdom-minded and, and hold kingdom values and will go and, and will, you know, in, in some bold but, but you know, reasonable way advocate and, and be the presence of, of kingdom values. You know, I wouldn't want to give that up. I remember one time uh, years ago hearing Andy Stanley. If you're not familiar with Andy Stanley, that's you know, the familiar pastor, Charles Stanley's son, who uh, for a number of years now has been pastoring a mega church in the Atlanta area. He was talking one day about um, his family's decision and, and an incident that happened with his son when his son was playing Little League Baseball. And there was a very moving story about what happened. I won't share that with you today, but... He, he kind of set it all up by, by sharing that he and his family talked about the choice about where their children would, would play youth sports. Because there were plenty of options. They could have gotten into church leagues and, and things like that where, where all the kids are church kids and all the families are church families. But he said, we made the decision that our, our children were going to play sports in, in just the secular, if you will, normal, normal leagues. And the reason we made that choice is because we feel compelled that God wants us out with those people so that we can be the influence that God has designed us to be. Now, I mean, I'm putting my words on it, but that's essentially the message that he was sharing. And I remember how he talked about that and, and thinking that that seems to be the strategy that the Scripture holds up for us. God does not hold up for the Christian life anything that, that, that removes itself from the world. That we have to be in the world so that we become the seasoning of the world and that we can advocate for the, the good of the kingdom while we are out there. We are those ambassadors to the world around us. And so then you and I have to think about, okay, when I'm... At Dairy Queen, having lunch with my friends, is that just a lunch outing, or do I look at that as an opportunity to be an ambassador if God should open that door? When I go to my workplace on Monday morning or whenever it is you go, am I just, you know, do I take off my Christian hat and I'm just there to get my business done, or do I look at that also as an opportunity to be an ambassador for Christ? If God opens a door for me, do I need to take advantage of that? It's, it's, it's all how we see ourselves in going into the world. God has made every one of us to be ambassadors. Or to use another word, evangelists. 
Now, it just caused your tension level to go up, didn't I? Some of you, you had a five-point jump in your blood pressure when I used that word. But I think it's true. God's called us to be evangelists, and I will explain to you why I say that. Paul wrote to this young pastor named Timothy. There's two letters in our scripture that Paul wrote to that young man. In the second of those letters, the fourth chapter and the fifth verse, Paul makes this, uh, gives this encouragement to Timothy. He says, do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. I remember years ago, I was listening to Charles Swindoll teach one day, and he was talking about that passage, and, and he shared something that's kind of always stuck in my mind. And I, and I want to make sure that I frame it correctly because he, he wasn't saying this like I know it beyond any reasonable doubt, but he said, when I read this, it, read that, it seems to imply to me that Timothy didn't have the gift of evangelism. You know, the scripture talks about evangelism being one of the spiritual gifts that is given to us. Look, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 mentions that some are given as evangelists. They have that spiritual gift. And, and man, when you find a person like that, you know it. I mean, they just, they have that ability to share in such a way that people want to gravitate to Christ. I don't have that gift. I know that. But what Pastor Swindoll was teaching about that is, he was saying, if that's true about that, that a young leader named Timothy, he was saying, it may not be your spiritual gift, but it is still your calling to do the work of an evangelist. And I would agree with that, and I would agree that it's true for every one of us. We do the work of evangelism, okay? Now, that does not mean I'm expecting you to rally a crew and go to some city and send up a five-day preaching crusade. That, that's not what I'm saying. But we are people of the good news. Pure and simple. Just people of the good news. In fact, it, it bothers me. I've probably mentioned this before. It bothers me when we in our culture... Uh, corrupt and distort the, the basic meaning of words. And one of the words in our culture that has become distorted is, is the word evangelical. Because when I share that word, there are probably images that pop immediately into your mind. That the, the, the word evangelical has come to mean one, one certain segment of the Christian population. And if I were to say to you that, that we have a calling to be evangelical, you probably hear me saying, oh, that means I, I'm supposed to now think like that, polit that, that, you know, that preacher from whatever city that we see on TV all the time. Or that it means I'm politically conservative. You know, we start aligning things with it. And I would, I would hope that we could shed so much of that. Because the word evangelical and it's just, if you take that from its original language and just allow it to say what it says in the original language, it simply means of the good news. The euangelion, the good message, the good news. The Christian is a person of the good news. 
And if you think of it like that, a non-evangelical Christian is a contradiction in terms. The, it, the Scripture doesn't describe any such thing as a follower of Jesus that's not a person of the good news. Because Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that when you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You are now an evangelist because you are a person of the good news. And so as we think about what it means to be in this world, it is really a question of how we think about our daily routine every day. Whether we take the Christian hat and put it on sometimes, and then take it off and just go about our normal life. Or if we are going to see every aspect of our life as a potential opportunity to be an ambassador for the kingdom, an ambassador for Christ, to represent Him in the world so that people come to know who He is and to understand His love that will transform their life as well. We have a great calling and I pray that we will take it seriously so that we may not fail Him. Let's pray together. Father, when You claim us, You claim us holy. And I pray that You would help us today, as with every day, to surrender ourselves wholly to You and to Your purposes. Father, I pray that you would help us to renew our thinking so that we can truly see ourselves as your ambassadors in the world, that we might represent you in act, in deed, and in word, so that through us, the light and the love of Christ may be known to those around us. And I pray, God, that you would glorify yourself by accomplishing that through us. May it not be of our work, may it not be of our power, but of yours, so that Jesus Christ receives glory. We pray it in his precious name. Amen. We're glad that you chose to spend this time with us in God's Word. You can catch our worship services online at www.rmumc.net. May the Lord grant you the light of his truth as you journey through this day.